0: How many of you like the hidden camera, you know, kind of magic show, uh, prank shows? Anybody ever watched those shows? I, I always liked. What was it, um, candid camera that was on a few years ago and was on for a long, long time? And they, they, you know, try to trick people on. Was it hidden camera or candid camera? I can't remember what it was. But um, the new one is is uh, that I've watched. I haven't watched it recently, but the new one is uh, the Carbonaro effect. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, actually, you're on that show right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but if you've seen the show, you know it's it's a, the the guy is a magician. His name's Michael Carbonaro, and he sets up these elaborate ruses, these illusions, where he basically takes these unsuspecting people. Either he's working in a store, or he's at a museum, or somebody's house doing some remodeling work, and he has somebody come in and help him, or he has somebody come into the store. And he sets up these illusions where he gets them to believe some of the craziest things. So he does sleight of hand, and he's really good at what he does, but he does sleight of hand and, and distraction and different things like that to get them to believe some of the craziest things. And I catch myself watching the show, and I'm highly entertained because it's, it's quite funny. But at the same time, I catch myself saying, how in the world do you believe some of this stuff? If you've ever watched the show or you've seen these hidden camera shows, you, you find yourself like, how in the world do you get caught up in this? And you say to yourself, I, I would never fall for that. I, I would not. And there's a few every once in a while that, that will get the trick or they'll get the, the gist of it and they'll kind of figure it out. But most of them don't. The reality is, though, that's easy for me to say, right? Because I'm watching it on TV. As a viewer, I've got a front row seat to see everything that's going on. I'm in on the secret in a way that they're not. I see the big picture. I see the context or another way of saying it. There's more to my eyes than what meets their eyes. I can see that because I'm watching it. The reality is, though, that TV shows and magicians don't have the market cornered when it comes to illusions and not seeing the big picture because so often that's true of real life as well. The reality is that so often we view life and we look at life and we look at things and we think they're real, but in reality they're just illusions. We buy into things that seem to be real, that seem to be the the real thing, and yet they're just just lies. Or at the very least, they're half-truths. They're not the whole truth. The real trouble, of course, happens when you start to speak and live and act out of that as if it were true, even though it's just a mirage, and that's when reality tends to hit really hard. Of course, there's another aspect where you see things, and what you see is very real. What you're dealing with is very real. What you're having to go through is very real, but you you don't have the full picture. You, you, you are, You are limited. You don't see the bigger picture of what's going on. You don't have... Context And when that happens, sometimes it's easy to jump to all the wrong conclusions. In either case, or whatever case it may be, we need some help processing what it is that we're seeing. And that's the beauty of Scripture. That's the beauty of God's Word. When we get in and we dig in, God gives us, the, He reveals these things to His Scripture. And He helps us to, to separate, to discern truth from lies, reality from illusions. And He helps us to see, His Word helps us to see, the big picture. And that's where really a lot of where we're going this morning and some of what Paul is talking about. We are in the midst of a series, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, called What's in Him for Me? In which we're walking through the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians chapter one, where he lays out some foundational blessings that you and I have in Christ. And so we're walking through these blessings. You know, sometimes we, we tend to think of being in Christ as what, you know, a lot of people think, what do I have to give up? When in reality, there's so much that you get from being in Christ. What what is in him for me? What, what, What does he give me? What are the blessings that I experience when I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ? And so today we come to the next blessing that Paul gives, and we find it in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Here's what Paul says. He says, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So far in our series, we talked about how we have the blessing of being chosen. We talked about how we have the blessing of being adopted. We talked about the blessing of being uh, redeemed. Last week, we talked about the blessing of being forgiven. And then this week, we come to the fifth blessing, and that is the blessing of having things made known to us In Christ, or as the sermon title says, seeing the big picture. In Jesus, you have the blessing of seeing the big picture. It's been made known to us in Christ. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but maybe just something to think about. How many of you like doing puzzles? I I, I enjoy doing puzzles. I I don't do them as much. Cruz enjoys doing them. I used to love doing them as a kid. Let me ask you a question. When you go to do a puzzle, before, even before you dump out the pieces, before you start working on it, what's the first thing you do? You look at the box, right? You look at the picture on the box. Now, have you ever tried to do a puzzle without looking at the picture on the box? Now, that's probably not too hard if you're doing a puzzle that's like a kid puzzle or like a 10 or 20-piece puzzle, right? You can kind of figure it out, hopefully, but it's a little bit different when you've got a puzzle that's 500 pieces, 1000 pieces, you know, 5000 pieces, however many pieces it is why? Because you need to see the big picture in order to make sense of the pieces of the puzzle, right? Without the big picture, it's just a bunch of pieces. It's just one big mystery. But when you see the big picture, you know the end result. You may not know how all the pieces fit together right away, but you know what the picture's supposed to look like. You know in the end, this is what that picture is supposed to look like. You know the point of the puzzle. And in many ways, that's a picture of what Paul is celebrating here in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Paul is saying, I've, I'm in on the big picture. Here is the big picture. Now just to be clear, like there's, there's more wrapped up in this these couple of verses, then I understand. I'll just be honest with you. You probably already knew that, but there's a whole lot wrapped up in these two verses, and Paul talks a lot of, more about this mystery in Ephesians chapter 3. We're not really going to get into that, uh, into that chapter as much. We're going to co- talk about some big ideas, and I'm probably only seeing a microscopic version of it, uh, uh, just one small particle, which means that I'm sharing even less of that with you, because it's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to explain it, but Hopefully, that being said, I can at least share some things with you this morning that can help us in how we look at life, how we see the world around us, but also how we respond to the world around us. And the first thing is this that I want to share with you is this. In Christ, God's will is no secret. In Christ, God's will is no secret. And, and that's part of what Paul is marveling at here. Until Jesus came, scene, God's will, at least to a certain extent, was a secret you know certainly that the law and the prophets they conveyed the heart and the and the will and the values that God had to a certain extent but the reality is that what God was really up to in the course of human wasn't apparent until Jesus comes on the scene for instance I think about a passage it's not on the screen but I think about a passage in first uh, Peter chapter one where Peter talks about how the the old testament prophets they searched intently and with great care, they searched intently what they were talking about to, to make sure they had an idea of what they were talking about, of the times and the, and the seasons and, and the, the circumstances to which the Messiah would come. So they're searching these things, but they still don't understand it. You read through the prophets, and they're writing about the coming Messiah, but they still don't grasp all that in, that entails. When, you know, when he would come, they knew some things. When he would come, who it would be. They, they didn't know the full picture. It's interesting if you read that passage in 1 Peter Peter even talks about how the angels longed to understand this mystery. Even for the angels, it was a mystery for them. And maybe it's difficult in some ways for us to appreciate this because, you know, we live two thousand years two thousand years after Jesus' life, right? And so, for you and I, most of us grew up from an early age, learning about Jesus. We know who Jesus is. It's not a mystery to us. But for a, a Jew like Paul, schooled in the Old Testament, and the Jews often would talk about the mystery and the secret of God's will. For, for Paul, this was mind-blowing. That this, this mystery, this big picture of what God was up to, had finally come into focus in Jesus. Now, let me explain a little bit too. Because when we use that term mystery, when I say mystery... And we tend to think of a mystery as something to be solved, right? Something to be figured out. One of the new um, raves now is those escape rooms that, that, that you can go in. I don't know if you have, any of you have been in those. things You have to figure out the mystery of how to get out of the room. And so that's usually how we think about a mystery. How do I solve the mystery? But for the Jews, that's not how they thought about mysteries. It wasn't something to be solved. A mystery was something that had to be revealed to you. And so Paul is praising God that the mystery of his will has been revealed. And Paul says his will has been purposed in Christ. In other words, the creator of the universe, his will, his intent, his agenda, what's important to him is made known in Christ. And even more than that, he carries out his will in Christ and it's his pleasure to To do it, God is pleased to do that in Christ. So then the question becomes, well, what's God's will? Well, if you want to know God's will, then you gotta get to know Jesus. That's kind of the point. It's not about trying to solve the mystery and and solve the puzzle, you know, when when it comes to a certain circumstance or a certain situation. If you want to know what God's will is, his overarching will, then you get to know. Jesus, that's where you find it. You follow him. You, you fix your eyes on him. You take everything in that he said. You take in that, what he did, and, 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 and you think about the things that he taught, what he taught about his life, what he taught about what he came to do, what he taught about his, his death and his resurrection. I was thinking about this this week. Everybody wants to be in on the latest guru's Thoughts on this or that or life or money or relationships. And right, so one of the biggest sections of your bookstore is self help books, right? How do you help yourself get to where this person is? And so we want to listen to the latest talk. We want to listen to the latest uh, book, maybe on audio or read it about what's going on in this person's life, how they make their money. How do you make your money? You know, how do you, how do you succeed in relationships? How do you succeed in business? We want to read those things because we want to know what their will is, how, how they get things done, what they're up to. The creator of the universe wants to reveal his will to you. I, I love some of the stuff, I, for instance, I, I love uh, some of the stuff that John Maxwell talks about in leadership. I, I love some of the stuff that, I, there's certain preachers that I listen to, I love their thoughts on certain things. The creator of the universe wants to reveal his will to you. That's more important than anything else you'll listen to a podcast or read in a book or listen to on an audiobook. He wants to reveal his will to you and he reveals it through Jesus Christ. His purpose is found in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus himself is the mystery. And not only is Jesus the mystery, but in him, the mystery is revealed. Just think about some of the context of what we've been talking about in Ephesians chapter one, and we've been looking at so far in this series. I know we've been breaking down individually each blessing, but don't miss the big picture because all of those blessings are found in one place, right? Just like we read in our memory verse, no other name in salvation can be found in no other name except for Jesus, those blessings are found in Jesus and only in Jesus. You see, Jesus, God doesn't just give us Jesus plus something. God doesn't say, Here, I'll give you Jesus and then I'll give you forgiveness and I'll give you redemption and I'll, give, I'll, I'll choose you and I will uh, adopt you. No, He gives us Jesus and we find those things in Jesus. Jesus is, the, He's everything and every blessing that we could ever need. Jesus is the focus, He's the essence of blessing. He's the essence of life itself, and he is the center and the focus of God's will and God's purpose. You say, well, why is that important? Well, a lot of reasons, but particularly as it relates to what we're talking about today. A lot of times we as Americans, when we talk about, and specifically American believers, when we talk about God's will, so often it's in the context of how it affects me, right? Right? And so we'll think about things and you're in a, a circumstance or you're in a situation. How many of you have prayed, God, what is your will in this? What, what direction do I go? What, what avenue do I take? What choice do I make? I got two choices in a job. I got two choices in and, and where I'm going to move to. I, I, you know, is this your will for me to pursue this relationship? And so you, we think in terms of a certain situation or, or a certain thing that we're wrestling with. How do we figure out, you know, what what we're going to do in that situation? But there's a more important question than what is God's will for my life. You know what that is? What is God's will, period? Some of us need to get over—no, let me rephrase that. We all need to get over ourselves to a certain extent. Because the most important question is not what is God's will for my life. The most important question is what is God's will, and I need to get my life into that. And here's the deal. Anything having to do with God's will for you has everything to do with Jesus and things coming under him. So you might as well get to know Jesus. Don't, don't worry about having, you know, s- s- some people are worried about, do I have every answer to the question on the Christian test, right? Am I going to get to heaven? Do I know, you know, the, the, you know, can I list all the 12 apostles? Can, is that going to be on the test, you know? Can I say all the books of the Bible? Is that going to be on the test? I'm not saying it's not important to know some of those things, but you need to get to know Jesus. You need to get to know him, what what he's about, what he desires, and his purpose is overarching for all of our lives, not just yours. And so if you want to know what the creator of the world, the creator of the universe is up to, you look to Jesus, his life revealed in the gospels his teachings, his death, his resurrection. That's why it's so imperative for you and I to immerse ourselves in Jesus Christ because in Christ, God's will is no secret. And so again, just think practically about how this plays out. When you're in a situation or you're in a circumstance or you're going, you know, you have a decision to make or you're wrestling with you in this situation, what is God's will in this situation? No, the Bible does not give a a direct and exact answer for every single question you have okay it does not give a direct answer for every single question that you're going to have but i guarantee you if you just take the time to ask to read to look to ask someone else to talk about to get into scripture see what jesus talks about and look at a situation that you're dealing with go to scripture and say what is god's heart in this what, what does Jesus say in a general way about life or about how I respond in these situations? I guarantee you God's, God's word and through God's spirit will speak to that situation. So often we're looking for the magic bullet that's gonna cure all of our ills when Jesus is calling us back to him and to be connected to him, to be connected to the vine so that we can live out his will and his purposes because in Christ, God's will is no secret. And that's what Paul is thrilled about. You and I miss this, but Paul is pumped about this because he may be in prison and he may be in the dark, but he's not in the dark when it comes to God. And there's something bigger for Paul than the will of a Roman Caesar who's holding him under arrest. It's the will of God through Christ and living that out in his life. And and that's what Paul is preoccupied about. He may be in prison, but he's not nearly as concerned with his will as he is with the will of God in Christ Second thing, in Christ, God is bringing everything together. In Christ, God is bringing everything together. There's a couple of phrases that I want you to look at again in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, he says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, here's the first, first phrase, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, here's the second phrase, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So the first phrase, to put into effect. That is one word in the Greek language. Oikonomia is the Greek word there. There's going to be a spelling test afterwards, so you make sure that you spell it right. Just kidding. But it comes from a word that's really a a word of stewardship or administration or management Really, it's used to describe when you're taking care of household affairs. And, and so when you're, when you're being an administrator, when you're putting things in order, whether that's financially or maybe with your kids and your family or you're your cleaning, you're organizing, you're re- remodeling in your home, all of those things would fall under this context of oikonomia, that you are putting it into effect, you're stewarding it, you're bringing it together and bringing it to order. And so part of the idea that's wrapped up here and and throughout Scripture is that things are not brought to order yet. There are some aspects that have been brought to order through Christ, some huge aspects that have been brought to order, but the ultimate fulfillment of order has not been brought yet. That won't be brought until Jesus comes again, and all things will be brought under the feet of Jesus, but the ultimate fulfillment of that hasn't happened yet. But ultimately, that is God's will, that he's going to bring everything under Christ. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, I kind of understand what you're saying, but what does that have to deal with me right now? Well, I think it has a lot to to do with what we do and how we respond right now. I know it had a lot to do with how Paul responded, Because this is great news for him and it affected how he responded to what he was dealing with in that moment. It's why he could praise even though he's in chains. It's why he wasn't giving up on God's plan for him even though he's in prison. It's why he's in prison and still writing letters to churches that you and I are reading from 2,000 years later. Think about that. That even though Paul is, is, he, things are, seem to be chaotic in his world in so many ways, he knows that God is at work bringing all things together under Christ. And so in the meantime, he can do what he's going to do because in the, mean, or in the end, God is going to make it all add up. Which brings me to the second phrase that Paul says, to bring unity, to bring uh, everything under Christ. Another way of saying that, another, one of the definitions of that is to sum up there are some things in life that don't add up right there are some things in your life some things in the lives of those that you care about some things in our world that you look at them and you say that doesn't make sense and i can't make sense of some of it either but what i do know is that in the end if god is bringing everything together under christ in the end somehow it's going to all add up. We'll see how everything fits together. In the end, when Christ returns and all things are brought under him, we'll see, just like a puzzle piece, when you start the puzzle, you don't see how they all fit together. You know the big picture. You know that God is, this is what it's going to look like. And I I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know how this fits, but I know that God is bringing everything together under Christ. And in the end, it'll all add up. You see, Keeping in mind the big picture makes a big difference. Keeping in mind the big picture makes a big difference. Let me give you an example of this. Maylie was sick this week and is still not feeling t- super well this morning. But she was sick, and so that means that my wife goes into hypercleaning mode. Okay? Because a couple reasons. A, she doesn't want to get sick. She doesn't want anybody else to get sick. But B, we're going on vacation this weekend, so we really don't want to get sick. Although I've told the kids, we're going anyway, so you just better get well. But so she's vacuuming everywhere, she's cleaning, she's scrubbing down everything, she's Lysoling it, she's doing whatever you can to get all the germs out. But you know the reality, you can't get all the germs out. There are so many things in our world, so many germs and bugs Some of you are getting creeped out right now, just me talking about it. Some of you like to to do hand sanitizer. I won't name names. But you you try to get rid of those things or you try to at least curtail them. There are so many things in our world and in our lives and in our homes even. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, I I was looking at some stuff this week and it 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 just always blows me away. Have you ever seen some of the pictures that they show of some of the things that are in your home? I'm not going to show them to you because I figured you'd freak out, some of you, and gross out. But have you seen some of those things like dust mites and termites and lice? Some of you are scratching your head right now. Have you seen pictures of some of those things? They're pretty actually disgusting when you blow them up. Even the things that you can see when you blow them up, you see things that you would never realized were there. And it's actually kind of disgusting and gross to look at some of those things. And for some of you, you don't even want to look at the pictures because it grosses you out. Some of you just thinking about it grosses you out. And you're thinking, why in the world did you even bring this up? Well, here's my point. If from the earliest of ages you primarily saw those things, these bugs that are so small, you blow them up to you know, several hundred times, if not more than that, magnification. You see all these details. If from the earliest of ages you purely saw those things through the lens of a microscope, you would be so terrified that you would be paralyzed, probably wrap yourself in a sterile bubble and never get out or touch anything in your life. If from the er- earliest of ages, that's how you saw the world around you, you'd be so panicked. And that, you see that sometimes with people feel that way because they've seen it or that's how they view the world. But if the primary way that you view the world through a, through a, is through a microscope and you see those things that way, you'd run in the opposite direction. You'd live your life so terrified. But hopefully you recognize, you see your home and this world from a, a much broader vision a much broader view. And and so you know how tiny these things really are. And so you can think about these things. And yeah, it may gross you out, especially if you see a picture. Some of you are going to go home right after this and you're probably going to scrub down everything and you're going to be thinking about this the entire time. You're going out to get sand, hand sanitizer right now or thinking about it. Nobody shake hands. But but you but you you have a much bigger vision. You you see the bigger picture. And so yeah, you You'll go home and you'll clean, you'll wash the sheets, you'll vacuum, you'll scrub down the kitchen, you'll scrub down the, the, the bathrooms and you'll tell your husband to take a bath and you'll tell your kids to take a bath and you'll take a bath and you'll scrub down and, and maybe you'll do those things, you'll clean up the pets, but hopefully you won't be terrorized by these things. I'm praying that you won't be, sorry if you are, but hopefully you won't be terrorized those things because you know that there's really nothing to be afraid of, that they're really small. And they're going to be there anyway, so you might as well just deal with it. I mean, you can clean up some of that stuff. By the way, this is not an excuse to, to not clean ever. I'm not saying that. Some of you guys are like, yes, off the hook. Um, but you realize the bigger picture. Here's the reality, though. There are far too many of us who live our lives viewing things, viewing life through the lens of a microscope. And I'm not talking about bugs and creepy crawlers We view our suffering, we view our adversity, we view our sin, we view our past, we view our difficulties. We view those things through a microscope. And when we do that, what happens is we are far too easily intimidated by those things because you know what? They look big and scary and terrifying and overwhelming and they've got big, sharp teeth when you look at them through the lens of a microscope. But when you keep the big picture in mind, you realize that yes, Those things can cause damage. My sin, my adversities, my circumstances. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they're harmless. But it does mean that I can view the big picture. And there's nothing to be intimidated by. Those things are quite small in the grand scheme of things. I I think about a passage, one of my favorites, that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4. He He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. That's the reality. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Now, I know they don't feel like that all the time, but they are. When you see the big picture, you realize they are. Our light and momentary struggles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says we don't lose heart. We're not intimidated by those things. You know why? Because we've got our eyes focused on the big picture. The big picture of Jesus. We see him. We've got our eyes fixed on him. And we know that God is bringing everything together under him. And in the end, it may not make sense now. It may not add up now to us. But it does to him. And it will someday. So all that being said, as we close our time this morning, let me give you three things for our lives when it comes to seeing the big picture. And the first one is this. When it comes to seeing the big picture, we need to be reminded that, yes, the picture is a portrait, but it's not a picture of you. It's a picture of Jesus. The picture is a portrait, but it's not a picture of you. It's a picture of Jesus. God's primary criteria for acting in our world does not revolve around you or me for that matter or anybody else for that matter, his primary criteria for working in our world is to bring everything under the feet of Jesus, to bring everything under Jesus. Jesus is the big picture. God doesn't wake up in the morning thinking, well, as if God woke up in the morning, but if he did, he doesn't wake up in the morning thinking, how can I bring everything in the universe into the orbit of Josh's will and Josh's pleasure? I hope that you don't wake up in the morning thinking that that's how God does. You send him a text just in case. Just wanted to let you know, I hope you're thinking about me today, you know, how things orbit around my universe. God's primary criteria for working in our world, including working in your life, is to bring everything under the feet of Jesus and understanding that reality helps better prepare me for life, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs that I'm going to inevitably face. And in my own experience, I found that the more I wake up to the reality that life and and life in Christ does not revolve around me, the less frustrated and disillusioned I am when things don't happen according to my will. You know, there are times, and I still struggle with this, when things don't go the way that I want them to, I get frustrated. The more I remind myself it's not about my will in the first place, the less frustrated I get. You and I are the objects of God's affection, but you're not the center of his universe. That's Jesus. Secondly, when it comes to seeing the pig picture, we Yes, need to be reminded that it's not a picture of us, it's a picture of Jesus. But, that being said, we also need to be reminded to get in the picture right now. The goal is not to be in the picture someday when Jesus returns. The, the call is to be in the picture right now. In other words, if everything's being brought underneath Jesus, if everything's brought under Christ in the end, then we might as well get a head start. I mean, that's the call, right? To go ahead and get a head start on this stuff right now. If everything is being brought under Christ, if everything is made whole under Christ, then, in the, cre- then the question becomes, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Are we just kind of doing our own thing until the end and hopefully, you know, we just kind of pack it in and then we'll get in the photo at the end? You see, the good news is that the future is present in Jesus and as we come under him under his authority under his lordship we experience things being brought together we experience the wonderful reality the things that we've already talked about of being chosen of being adopted of being redeemed of being forgiven we experience something we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks we experience the deposit of the holy spirit in our lives i, I love that word deposit because i think it says so much it paints a beautiful picture here what's a deposit a, a deposit is a, a, a picture of a substance that is to come, or it's a, it's a thing that, that represents a substance of what is to come. Does that make sense? Okay, so let me explain this. If you, if, you get a down, if you are selling something and someone gives you a down payment, that's real money that you have, right? So they give you, they put a deposit down, that's real money. But that's not all there is, right? At least you hope not. You, you, you hope you get the full balance of what they owe you, what they're going to pay you. And so a deposit is is a way of of, of letting us know, that deposit is there to let us know that there's more where that came from. The reason heaven is heaven is because in heaven, all things are under Christ. That's what makes heaven heaven. All things are under the Lordship of Christ. There's some aspects of that now in our lives, and we see some of that. We'll get to that in just a second. But the reason heaven is heaven is because everything is under the lordship of Christ. You say, well, what does that look like under things being brought together under Jesus? Well, there's no more sickness. There's no more pain. There's no more crying. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. There's no more death. That sounds good, right? That's why we want to go there. And we can paint these pictures of heaven where we, you know, If you enjoy this on earth, then you're hoping that it'll be there in heaven, right? But the reason heaven is heaven is because those things aren't present. And Jesus is. That's what makes heaven, heaven. And so the question is, why not seek to be under Jesus right now then? If that's what you're going to get when everything is under Jesus. If that's what you're going to get when we put ourselves under Jesus, why not go ahead and get a head start on it? Now, now, we won't experience the fullness of that until Jesus returns, and ultimately we are in heaven, but we can experience a deposit on that right now. And so we have these deposits in this realm. The more I learn to live my life under Jesus, these, I, I get these deposits. And so every time you experience peace, every time you experience deliverance from sin, every time you experience a measure of healing, every time you experience a measure of joy, every time you experience reconciliation with, in relationships, every time you experience release or, or, or purchasing from bondage, someone coming out of bondage, you know what those are? Those are deposits. Those are a deposit of what is to come ultimately and fully when we get to heaven. Those are a preview of things to come. You're seeing a deposit that comes through being under Jesus. Now, again, God is still in the process of working this out. God is still in the process of bringing everything under the feet of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about this a little bit, and he talks about how God is going to put all of his enemies under Jesus' feet. And the last of those enemies is death. Death has not been fully brought under the feet of Jesus yet, but it will be. But in the meantime, until that happens, why not go ahead and put as much of myself under the feet of Jesus now and taste some of heaven on earth and be a conduit of heaven on earth to those around me? Which leads me to the last point. Seeing the big picture also reminds us to get others in the picture. (coughs) Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, He says the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see part of the mystery is not just Jesus himself but that through Jesus anybody and everybody can get in on the mystery. They can get in the picture. Now, you got to get in Jesus to get in the picture, but you can do that. I can do that. The Gentiles can do that. For a period of time, it was just the Jews that could get in on the picture, but now everybody is in, has the opportunity to get in on the picture. You and I are called to share that. You and I are called to share the glorious riches that we've been given in Christ with others. We are called to, to bear witness to his death, to bear witness to his life, to bear witness to his resurrection, to bear witness to the salvation that can only be found in him, to bear witness to the hope that can only be found in him. There is a world of people that are living in darkness, blinded to the mystery that is salvation in Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to make known Jesus to them out of appreciation for God making known Jesus to us. Because you see, the picture outside of Christ is pretty bleak. But in Christ, in Christ we are chosen. In Christ we are adopted. In Christ we are redeemed. In Christ we are forgiven. And in Christ we see the big picture. And what a beautiful picture that truly is when we see it.